You're listening to episode 11 of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. I really wish that I could have helped myself understand that it's not going to look like what you maybe thought. I mean, especially because it was twins, but just rolling with the punches and figuring out these are brand new people who don't know who they are yet. And so you can't even know who they are yet or what they're going to need tomorrow or the day after. I'm a planner and an A-type, and that was the biggest challenge for me for sure. And I would just try and help myself get there faster to let go and know that if you don't know what tomorrow looks like, that's okay. Welcome to the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Podcast, a place where you just might find or hear a tiny piece of your motherhood reality. I'm your host, Raylan Minka, an educator, writer, and emotionally frazzled toddler mom. If you've ever felt lonely in your motherhood journey or asked yourself, am I the only one experiencing this? Then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each episode focuses on a different but common motherhood struggle where we discuss the ups, the downs, and the WTFs with moms from all around the world. So whether you're stroller pushing and podcasting yourself around the neighborhood, waiting at the doctor's office for your next fertility treatment, or listening with a well-deserved glass of wine at the end of another full day of motherhood, welcome. I hope you can relate to some of what you hear in today's episode and get ready to raise your hand if you do. Hey, mamas, and welcome to episode 11 of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Raylan Minka. I'm an educator, writer, and expat mom to an almost two-year-old. Thanks for tuning in because I've got a really great episode lined up for you. Today, we're talking about being a mother of multiples. In this episode, I'll share my conversation with Amber Denise. She's a toddler mom to twin girls, and she's based out of northern Ontario, Canada. Amber and I had our babies pretty close together, so it was so interesting for me to hear about her journey into first-time motherhood, only with twice the fun. And two times everything else as well. Diapers, stroller seats, bottle feedings, you name it. This was really an eye-opening interview for me, and we cover so many different topics, including everything from Amber's must-haves for mothers of multiples to the difficult infertility journey she and her partner navigated. I hope you learn as much from this conversation as I did. Later in the episode, you'll hear from more mothers of multiples as they share pieces of their personal stories. We'll also talk about how and where moms can find support when expecting or raising multiples. To adapt the commonly used expression, it takes a village to raise a child, and a much bigger village to raise two, three, or more at the same time. I hope you listen today with an open heart. Although these mamas are all in the unique position of having multiples, you just might be able to hear some of your story in theirs. All right, mamas, I'll be right back with my interview with Amber. I always sort of wondered if I would have twins. I grew up hearing the expression that having twins skipped a generation, and I wasn't really sure which generation it skipped. All I knew was that my grandfather on my dad's side was an identical twin, and my grandfather on my mom's side had identical twin brothers. I never really knew if I would ever get pregnant or if I would have an opportunity to, but the twins question was definitely in the back of my mind. I think I half expected to hear at my first ultrasound that there were two little nuggets growing inside of me instead of just one. As it turns out, our little man had the whole womb to himself, and it felt like a pretty tight fit in there, if you ask me. When I was about 900 months pregnant and trying to figure out how to squeeze through doors and get up and down out of bed, I often had the thought, how in the hell do moms do this with two or more in there at once? That's a lot of elbows, knees, feet, hands... 
and anything else that just feels like poking you extra hard in the ribs. My next guest, Amber, and I have known each other for a long time, but sitting down with her for today's interview about being a twin mom was so interesting, and I can't wait to share it with you. So without further ado, let's welcome Amber to the show. Hi, Amber. Hi. Welcome to the show. I want to say thank you so much for being here, and I'm really interested to talk to you. We've been trying to make it happen for a while. Um, Can we begin with you introducing yourself and just giving a little glimpse inside of who you are and your family? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'm a twin, a twin mama, (laughs) um, which is amazing and challenging. But outside of that, um, and I try to make sure that we also focus on that you can be someone outside of being a mom. So I'm also a wife to an amazing, amazing husband. Um, We live in like Northern Ontario and my husband runs a business from home and I work for a marketing agency and I'm also a figure skating coach. So we have lots on the go outside of just regular everyday life. So we're, we're busy, busy and loving it. So yeah. Well, thank you again. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that and for setting it up. And let's just jump right in then. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to go back and start at the beginning of your motherhood journey and have you talk a little bit about your experiences trying to conceive. So did you and your partner experience any, any kind of difficulties getting pregnant? Yes. So I'm super excited to, to chat about the challenge of getting pregnant because all of my girlfriends got pregnant very quickly, like immediately when they started trying. So I totally assumed that it would be the same for us. We had waited a while to have kids. So we had like everything planned out, like it's going to line up with work projects. And we just bought a house. Like literally I was like in July, we'll have the barbecue to announce that we're pregnant. Like I had the whole thing. (laughs) So I didn't expect that there could be challenges at all. So obviously we started trying and it, nothing happened. It took us nine months to conceive the first time. Um, So got pregnant, miscarried really early on, which again is, super common, but none of my close friends had gone through that. So it really just felt like a a roller coaster. Um, It then took us, because of the Ontario medical system and the details behind that, it took us a year to get referred to a fertility clinic. We spent a year doing basic fertility testing to see if they could figure out what it was, that was the issue, what was going on. There was no issue we could find. So we were really just like throwing spaghetti at the wall to try and figure out what we could do to try and have a baby. And then finally got referred to an IVF clinic. So we, we did go the IVF route in the end, but that journey was like a three or four year process. Wow. So, so yeah, it's a whole, and that's like, that could be a whole show in and of itself. There's a ton of details yes. just for anyone who is maybe thinking they have to go that route or anyone who has gone that route. Like I feel you, it is such a long process. Um, and really hard to understand unless you've been in it. The emotional roller coaster. It's physically exhausting. It's financially exhausting. It can be really expensive. Yeah. yeah. So it's a whole, the whole process. But we did eventually use IVF. Okay. And and just out of curiosity, how long were you doing the IVF treatments before you conceived again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, we tried a lot of things before IVF. Um, we tried hormone treatment. We tried something called IUI, which is like the step before IVF. Um, it was actually our first round of IVF that worked. It took probably eight months of hormone protocols and injections and testing to figure out what was going to work in terms of transferring the embryo. The other interesting thing is we only had one embryo. So commonly, if you do IVF, what you hope for is to get 
five or six viable embryos at the end of that. So that's five or six chances right. to have a, a baby. And then you transfer those in Ontario anyways, the protocol is to transfer those one by one. And that means you get five or six attempts and hopefully one or one or two of them or all of them become your little, your little peanuts. We only had one viable embryo at the end of it. So we had one shot through this whole, this four year journey took us to like, here's your one little chance. And in Ontario, you only get one round of funded IVF. And after that, you have to pay privately. So there's a lot of external pressures on the whole process as well. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. So especially for us, because we only had one and then we did conceive on the first try. And then shortly after found out that it was twins, we got like, <sighs> we say we got the two for one special. And it really is true. That we got <laughs> a two for one deal. So we feel really, really, or not really religious, but we feel very blessed and lucky that we were able to get two kids out of that whole process. Wow. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to, oh, if yeah. not all of that, then at least some of that. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, had you and your partner spoken much, Amber, before getting pregnant? I guess you had a couple of years um, yeah. to talk about a lot of different things, but yeah. specifically, had you guys spoken about your individual expectations around parenting? So things like your common values, the ways that you wanted to raise your child, how you planned to divide tasks and responsibilities. Yeah, it's such a good question. It shocked me how hard it was once we had the kids to navigate that because I thought we had. I really thought, and we were very clear about our common values and being on the same page with things. So that the big picture, like what we envision our lives to be with kids in the big picture, things we wanted to do and that we were for sure on the same page. The part that we struggled with was like the day to day, like the little tactical pieces, like who's going to sleep today? Who's going to, especially with two, who's going to feed them? Who's like, who's waking up in the morning versus who's doing bedtime? All of those things are the things that we struggled with in the beginning and still struggle with as things change and schedules change and jobs change. That is an ongoing, an ongoing challenge. And I've, it's, it's been very interesting. I wasn't so much of a feminist before we had kids. And now I really understand a lot more of the women's rights, I guess, and like women trying to create more equality because a lot of things fall to mom, of course, which is great. And I love it, but it's also hard. <laughs> it's, and it's difficult with one, let alone, let yeah. alone with two or more. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, exactly. That's why the episode yeah. is titled what it is like, yeah. you know, how do you manage as a mom of a multiple? So that's, that's yeah. why you're here today to, to yeah. share the story and yeah, maybe for um, a mom who has multiples, twins, triplets, more, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, to be able to, to listen and relate and, or, or just any new mom or mom to be to yeah. to glean any kind of information that they can or tips that they can. So absolutely. Okay. So when you did conceive, how were those first few weeks and months of your pregnancy? Kind of before you found out that you were having twins. Great, actually. Um, so we had a lot of challenges getting pregnant. Being pregnant was very easy for me. Actually, I didn't, okay. and I have heard so many stories about women who go through all of the, especially really physical challenges, but we were really lucky. I had a little morning sickness. I was a little nauseous. So it's common with multiples and because your hormone levels are higher because there's so much more mm. going on that women have a lot. It's one of the first signs people have of having multiples is that you have a really strong morning, morning sickness. I know I have to you all day sickness. Yes, but like really increased symptoms. And I didn't have those. So very fortunate we could have that but um it is very common with my mamas and and multiples to have a struggle I, i'd like to hear amber about the day that you found out that you were having <gasps> twins but before that happened and what what stage in the pregnancy did you or are you able to find that out 
Yeah, pretty early, pretty early. The okay. first ultrasound, like the first scan that we had, we'd done um, blood tests and a pregnancy test, obviously, to make sure that we were yeah. pregnant. Working with a fertility clinic, they do a lot of blood tests because it's more credible and trustworthy than like the pee on a stick test. Um, right. So we've done a lot of blood tests just to track that things were moving forward and everything looked good. But the first ultrasound we had, it's interesting, was it was on a Friday. And in Ontario, in most hospitals anyways, the technician that does your scan can't tell you anything. So you see on TikTok or wherever all these videos of people watching the scan and like, oh my God, it's twins, whatever. It was also yeah. COVID. So we got pregnant in January, 2020. So this scan was March, 2020 when COVID had just Oh my started. goodness. Yeah. So my husband couldn't come with me. Your husband wasn't even with you. No. So they did the scan. I didn't get to see the screen. They didn't tell me anything. The technician that did it was new. And she was like, I'm just going to go ask the other technician something. So she came in and the two of them were like whispering. Keep in mind, I had a miscarriage previously, which stays with oh, you. Man. Yes. So I'm like, something's wrong. If she had to ask for help, something's wrong for sure. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, same thing happened again, for sure. Just prepare yourself to have to deal with that. Anyways, they leave. They can't tell you anything. So if this Friday, we didn't get any results. That Sunday, we left for the States. So I actually had to go work at a conference in the States. So Monday, I'm like on a trade show floor, running around working. My husband came with me. So he's like working in his hotel room. And I see a voicemail from the doctor, which if it's bad news, they call you. If it's good news, it's like the next checkup. They're like, everything was fine. So I, I, it was a voicemail message from my doctor. Had to call them back. I'm sitting alone in a conference center. Anyways. So that's how we found out. So super awkward. And then the whole rest of the day, I had to continue working. So this is the same thing. Oh you you're pregnant in a weird situation. I'm like walking around a trade show floor. And all I wanted to say was like, I'm having twins. I'm having twins. Oh my gosh, we just went out. But I couldn't tell anyone, of course, because it was a work situation as well. And it was early. But my husband and I were on this trip together. So we got to like celebrate going for dinner and stuff through that trip, which was quite nice. That was a good way to, to make it very yeah, memorable. So Wow. Yeah, that is a very memorable uh, experience. Okay. So you were on a trade room floor, as you said, um, you went out to celebrate your partner was with you. So this was, this was nice that the two of you were together for it yeah. Yeah. after it kind of settled in and you had like a little bit of time to process the information. Yeah. Um, what were sort of your feelings and thoughts and reactions in those initial days and weeks afterwards? Uh, a lot of panic honestly, because we had not considered twins. Like it was always kind of like a joke. Like, can you imagine if we had twins? And then it was yeah. real. So we, again, we'd like envisioned what life was going to look like. And then all of a sudden you're like, how, how do you manage twins? None of my close friends had had twins or multiples of any kind. So it was things like, uh, we now need to double the budget because we need yes. two infant car seats. We need two. How do we do the stroller? Like two, what does this all look like? Do we need two cribs? Do we need two bassinets? can you put them together in a crib? Is that not okay? So tons of research. And that's when I started reaching out to the other, either twin moms that I knew of, who I maybe wasn't super close with, but I knew of them. And also my aunt had had twins. Um, okay. So it doesn't run in our families. It was just a one-off that we have one other relative that has twins. So I wound up calling her and telling her, she was one of the first people we told that we were having twins and asking all the questions like, how do I take two infants grocery shopping, like two infant <laughs> car seats will fill the whole grocery cart. Like how, how do I do this? What, <laughs> how do you manage this? And that's when we also reached out to some of the twin mama Facebook groups who, again, they're not people, you know, but it's all mamas doing the same thing. Like I just found out I'm having twins. What do I need to buy? What do I, <laughs> what do I do? Exactly. Yeah. 
Once we got a handle on like all of that research, which probably took a couple months, probably two, three months, then we felt like, okay, we're, we're ready for this. We're, yeah, we felt like we had at least a support network that we could lean on to figure out how to move forward. Right. Okay. And mm. so this was your first um, pregnancy to yeah. full term. And so how is carrying, like how is carrying yeah. two as opposed, I know you haven't, you know, yep. as opposed to one, like. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to a comparison. Um, once they start kicking, it's nonstop. Not yeah, it's eight limbs and not four. <laughs> which oh my is interesting. So there's just always elbows and knees and so that's interesting. Again, my pregnancy was very easy. For some reason, I didn't get super big. A lot of twin moms, especially if it's your second or third, fourth child, your belly's like, I know what to do. Second pregnancy yeah. is almost always bigger. And if it's twins, so physically a lot of multiple moms struggle literally with supporting your belly and the swollen feet, like yeah. all of the symptoms that anyone would have are typically exaggerated significantly, um, which is hard. I luckily didn't have to deal with a lot of that, but I have so much sympathy for a lot of other multiple moms going through that. The challenge for us, or the thing that was different for us in terms of having multiples was immediately it becomes technically a high risk pregnancy. So our, we live in a small town in Northern Ontario and our local hospital and doctor, like amazing that you're having twins, super exciting. We cannot deliver you here because of the potential complications. We're just not ready to handle it in this hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the, once we were, I don't know, probably 16 weeks along, all of our care transferred to a, a town an hour away from us who had the hospital there was better prepared to do emergency C-sections if needed, which is really common with twins. They also had a NICU on site, like a neonatal intensive care unit, because almost never are twins or multiples carried to full term. Um, The typical for twins is that they'll be delivered at like 36, 37 weeks. Full term is 40 to 42. It's also very common for multiples to arrive at 27, 28 weeks, 30 weeks, like really early. Very, very common. So anyways, our care transferred to about an hour away, which is a little frustrating, but they were professionals and more equipped than our local hospital. So that was great. So we dealt with an OB in a different, a different town. We had more appointments than what a single pregnancy would have just because there are more complications that are possible. Gestational diabetes is a lot more common. And there's also things that happen with twins, depending on what kind of twins or multiples you have. There's a thing called twin to twin transfusion, for example, where one twin actually like pulls more nutrients away from the other. So one twin Uh will grow in utero, one will be much bigger than the other. And then there's a risk that they both won't make it to term because one, they're not trying to be mean to each other, obviously, but just the way that the umbilical cord and things are set up, one's just going to suck all the the nutrients and good stuff that they need away from the other. So. There's lots of things like that that they start to watch for. So it's just a little bit more um, under the microscope than what a single pregnancy right. would be. So that was a that was oh. a bit of a, a challenge. And a lot of people don't know that. They think, oh, you're having twins, super exciting. But it does immediately add just more to what you have to deal with in a pregnancy than what a single would. Okay. I didn't know a lot of that. So that's yeah. really interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, let's turn then to your labor and delivery. So can you tell me a little bit more about the birth story, the birth process of your girls and then the experiences that began and continued after that. After, yes. Um, And I'm still unpacking a lot of this mentally after the first year of having twins. I'm like now diving back in to understand (laughs) all of what happened. Um, In general, the birth actually went fairly well. Interesting part was my water broke at 35 weeks, which again, we were pretty ready that they would come early. 
Um, but my water broke and I didn't go into labor, which oh, wow. I didn't even know that that was possible. It's possible. Um, again, this was during COVID. So we rushed to the hospital and they're like, they were going to watch me for 48 hours and see if labor triggered. Cause sometimes they said it's just delayed and it, it never did. So, and again, once you, you know, if your water's broken, like your, your water, it's gross, your water's broken. It's like not the most comfortable thing to be sitting in. So two days later, we're like, okay, like what is going to happen? Because we were so early at 30, relatively early for any babies at 35 weeks, they said, we'd rather if we can push you to like 36 weeks. So if we can still wait like another four or five days, that would at least let the babies keep growing in utero for another week. Yeah. We don't want to keep you sitting here longer than that because the risk of infection and whatnot is, is uh, pretty high at that point. So we spent a week in the hospital sitting, waiting. And because it was COVID, nobody could like come in and visit. So we just like read a lot of books and kept working. I had my laptop. So I was just sitting in a hospital room for a week working away. Oh my (laughs) goodness. Anyway, so that was unique to ours. I didn't know that that could happen. So I'm happy to share that your water can break and you might not go into labor. Who knew? Anyways, the actual labor I was induced, which is a pretty common process. Um, The weird thing about delivering twins, especially if you're in a hospital that is set up for you, is they will not let you deliver in the regular delivery room because the chance of having to do an emergency C-section for the second or third, if you're having multiples, um, second or third is so high, you deliver in the surgical room. Oh, wow. So literally, we were able to do a little bit of the, of the pre-labor um, in the regular room because we were waiting, we were induced, so that we were sitting there for a while. Uh, but once we were like ready to, like you're pushing, it's happening, they wheel you into like an operating room. So I remember being wheeled in and there's a woman there, like literally scrubbed in. So like hands totally scrubbed in. If you've ever been in an operating room, you know, they have like anything that's prepped for surgery is on a different color sheet. So there's a massive table with all the surgical tools, like ready to go. I've never had surgery and it's my first pregnancy. So that's a little intimidating. That's got to be intimidating for sure for any person yeah. about to deliver. Yeah. I, I mean, comforting to know that they were ready for anything and we would be okay. Yeah. It, it wasn't going to be a surprise to anyone. Um, but it yeah. didn't look like the movies. And that's what still kind of gets me is I had, I knew it would be a little bit more complicated, but I still had this vision of what you see in the movies. You have push and then this baby's going to like land on your chest. And then I'd have two on my chest and we would like snuggle and have those pictures and the moments. But because it was twins. So we delivered in a surgical room. So uncomfortable and cold and awkward. And then because the kids were so um, early, they were four and five pounds when they were born and changed, but approximately four and five pounds. So they were small. So the NICU was also completely ready. The neonatal intensive care unit was totally ready to take them into the NICU. Very common when twins are born that they have to go on respirators immediately. They typically, the last things to develop in utero for babies is um, lungs and some other like eyes, some other um, functions, basically a little bit of brain development as well. So they were ready to like throw them on respirators, put them into those little incubators if needed. So also in the room, aside from all of the surgical stuff, were two incubators, a NICU doctor and two nurses for each baby in case they were like in crisis when they were born, they were like ready to take them. And then all of the staff for me. So I had a couple nurses and the anesthesiologist waiting in case we had to do a C-section, my OB. Wow. So there's like, I think there was like four full house in the room. <laughs> yes. That's a- so again, like not like the movies, really weird. My labor was actually great. My epidural was fantastic. So I can't, again, physically my pregnancy and delivery was pretty wonderful. I can't complain about that. I love epidurals. Glad to hear oh yours. Was good. 
It was yeah. wonderful. And I'm so glad I was, I didn't have to have a C-section. I know those can be wonderful as well, but I was really hoping to deliver naturally and I did, which was great. But then the moment after the babies, I had like two seconds with one of them on my chest and then they scooped them up and put them into the incubators to keep them warm, right. to check their breathing. And both of them did need a little bit of oxygen and a little bit of blood sugar to help get them going. And they needed to be on monitors to make sure that they were like watched. So I delivered them, they put them in incubators and they wheeled them off into the NICU. It wasn't without our consent or anything. They knew, we knew they were going, they needed to go, they needed to be under care. I also had um, some like post um, birth stuff that I'll get into in a second. That was so I couldn't go with them immediately. They Mm -hmm. asked my husband, do you want to go with the babies? Because of what I was dealing with, he was like, no, I'm going to stay with her. You guys go take care of the babies. We'll see them in a minute. But that just... That picture was not at all what I thought was going to happen. So I'm so happy to share that story because I I assumed all of my friends as well had had that per- picture perfect movie moment uh, where you're you know you have the skin to skin and it's like heaven on earth and it's just so wonderful and that's not what it looked like or felt like at all for us. But that's also normal. And so it was okay. Yes. And it was normal. It just wasn't what I expected or thought what was going to happen. So anyway, so I had sticky placenta which means that all of your placenta may not have come out in like the afterbirth process. Right. So they had to manually, I was there for probably another 40 minutes. They had to manually like figure out how to get all this placenta out. Oh, wow. Um, was like almost needed a blood transfusion, but didn't in the end, which is good. But it, that part was a little bit physically challenging. So babies are off in the NICU. Finally, I'm ready to go. I did tear, so they had to stitch me up, et cetera. Also normal. Not a lot of people talk about this, but it's also very normal. <laughs> okay, so finally, they I couldn't walk, obviously, afterwards. So they wheeled me into the NICU. So our first picture of like the four of us all together was me laying in a bed in the NICU between two incubators. And my they were able to get one of the babies out at that point. So my husband's got one. The other baby's like hooked up on all these tubes and things. And I remember immediately after that picture, I was like, I'm going to throw up after all that. I felt really nauseous. Again, apparently that's normal. They're like, we just jacked you up on a lot of drugs to go through all of that. You just went through a huge physical process. And then they wheeled me in a cart laying on my back. So the room is like to get to the NICU. So I remember throwing up right after that picture. Oh my gosh. So very different than uh, what I thought it would look like. But everyone, the kids were, did very, very well. They were out of the NICU in four days, I think. They were ready to go home. They did very, very well. That's great news. It is. Yeah. It's very common for twin and multiple babies to be in the NICU for a while, like weeks and weeks. And they had prepped us for that. Your doctors should talk to you about that if if you are having multiples. Uh, But we're really lucky we all got to go home. But it was just a picture I didn't expect, for sure. Well, so it sounds like the, yeah, the the labor and delivery process was a little bit of a surprise. Um, What really surprised you in those first few days and weeks at home with twins? Yeah. Um, Everyone talks about moms not getting sleep. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we can handle that. No problem. The lack of sleep is incredible. I could not believe how little sleep we got. Again, because the babies were little, they recommended that we fed them every three hours. And so we were like, like clockwork, waking them up every three hours. Ours, because they were so tiny, four and five pounds, they couldn't latch. So I didn't breastfeed very well. So I was pumping to try and get breast milk for them. And we were supplementing with formula. So at like midnight and 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., I'm sitting there pumping. My husband's making bottles. We're, so it's like no one is sleeping. <laughs> Nobody's sleeping at all. My husband was great that he got up with me and fed. He would feed one of the babies and I would feed the other and then we'd switch. But it's 
it's a lot. It's so exhausting. I really, again, I'm, you hear, oh, you're not going to have any sleep. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Everybody does this. So, so we can handle it. No problem. But it, it really wiped us out. It was incredibly hard. And my husband was able to help for, I want to say the first like six weeks, probably. He runs his own business. So he was able to sort of take more time away than a lot of people are able to get. Uh, but after that, he needed to get some sleep so he could go back to work. So he wound up sleeping in a separate room and we kind of did shifts. So he would take the kids until about midnight. And then, so I would sleep from like five till midnight to get some actual solid sleep. And then I would take the kids from midnight through and be up with them every, like every two to three hours. So did you find Amber? I'm sure many parents and many mothers feel this, but did you, did you ever have like a night or a moment where you just thought this is too hard? Like this is, this is just too much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the first few weeks, honestly, I was like, okay, this is normal. And I think it's just such a whirlwind. And then maybe especially with two, but I'm sure all moms go through this. Um, it was such a whirlwind. We, we didn't even have time to think really. Um, our kids, because we had them on such a regimented feeding schedule, they kept that. So most babies, I understand, will slowly wean themselves off of those night feedings. Our kids, when they were like two, three, four months old, were like, nope, 3 a.m., time for time for a bottle, mom, wakey, wakey. And I was on my own by then. And my husband was sleeping like full nights in a separate room so he could work. Um, and they were, I, we were better into a schedule and things. I felt like I could handle it. But at, it was like four and five months when they were four and five months old. I was like, it, I cannot do this. And I remember messaging my mom group, my really close friends who all got pregnant immediately. We have a great group chat ongoing. Um, and I remember messaging them and being like, I, I am at the end of my rope. Like, I cannot do this. Tell me this gets better because I like this is impossible. At the time, I also did some research to figure out how to wean them off of those night feeds. And it is possible. Google it if you need to. But it is it's a little bit challenging. But there is a way to get your kids off of those night feeds and sleeping through the night. And once we did that by about six or seven months, it was better. Honestly, at eight months was the first time that I was like, this is now fun. That was the first time that I was like that having kids and babies is now actually fun. I'm enjoying it. And it wasn't so much like postpartum depression or anything. It was just the challenge of getting to that point was so hard that it, mm-hmm. yeah, it was about eight months. And then it was summer too. So we we're outside a little bit more. And I was like, oh, we can like go to the park and we can, it, things got turned around a lot for me at about eight months, okay. but it, it took that long to get there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was the biggest support for you um, as a mother after, you know, after your partner went back to work or in those first couple of months as well, but what was the biggest support for you in particular, either people or items or, um, yeah, maybe share a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So my close friends, for sure, we have a group chat going, they're all moms already, which is great. If you don't have that, there are mom groups on Facebook, et cetera, that you can reach out to and say, oh my gosh, I can't, how should I deal with this? And, and sorry to interrupt real quick, but yeah. do you have any like specific groups that you would recommend or do you just recommend to moms who are listening, like just go on Facebook type, go to groups and type in like struggling mom or, you know, new mom or twin mom. Yep. That's literally what I did with twin moms. And I found the regional groups for twin moms. So wherever you are, there's probably a regional group. So ours, I forget the title of it, but it's like GTA, like general um, greater Toronto area, which we're outside of that, but it's the closest one for us. Mm-hmm. Um, moms of twins and multiples, I think. And people like sell used twin stuff on there, like twin strollers and all that. And people can ask questions of like, oh my gosh, how did you, how did you deal with this? How did you do? So right. those okay, were great. great. 
Yeah, there's also one that's North American wide. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it is um, about sleep schedules for twins, which was really helpful as well. I can send it to you and then you can put it in the show notes if you like. Okay, great. Um, But yeah, so personal friends, obviously, and those Facebook groups for twin stuff specifically. And then in addition, my parents moved in for about two months to give us extra support. So that helps with like cooking and cleaning, like all the things that you just cannot possibly do (laughs) when you're both of your hands are literally full of baby. Yes. That was a big help. I will say, um, we didn't think through that, like in an instant, we're going to have two people joining our family, two little peanuts joining (laughs) our family. And then also the grandparents will be joining our family. And that in itself is a, like a lot of like, who's doing what, where's everybody sleeping? What, like just getting all of those new routines in place was a challenge. Yeah. Right. You didn't, you didn't just go from two to three. You went from two to six for the first few months. Exactly. Exactly. Which is a lot. So it might not work for everybody, but it was a great help for us to be able to just get the basics done and also just have an extra support. Like, can I just go grab a snack for a second? And you just hold Mm -hmm. at least one of the babies. (laughs) Yeah. Which, and my, my parents loved it because they got to see the kids. So we had some good support in that sense. I know you also have a request for like products and things that we used. And some of those were so critical for us. For twins, especially, again, if you Google it, um, there's lots of products out there for twins, but we used the Twinsy pillow, literally twin Z, like the letter Z. Twinsy okay. pillow. It's kind of like, if you know what a boppy is, it's a like a little pillow for a, an infant. It's two of those put together. And it, has oh, a, great. and it has a strap on it. So you can kind of change the size of it and you can carry it, like throw it on your back. Because when you have two babies already, when you need to like move rooms, you're not also going to be able to carry both of their bottles and both their boppies. But like, it's impossible. You basically feel like a Sherpa for such a long time. <laughs> but the pillow, they literally lived on it. They slept on it, which I know is not highly recommended, but they love to nap on it. They ate on it. They chilled out on it. They lived on that pillow for months. It's washable. It was so helpful for us. There's also something called the table for two, which you can find online anywhere. And it's like, it's just more structured than that pillow, but it's the same concept. It's two baby seats side by side. There's little comfy liners you can put in it that you can wash. And there's little spots for bottles and whatever that you can set them up in. Um, I know a lot of twin moms that use that instead, and they absolutely loved it. We also had, because we fed our kids formula, I did pump. So I pumped for nine months um, and supplemented them with formula. So they got like half and half. Um, but the formula, especially because they ate through the night for so long, we use something called the Baby Brezza formula dispenser. And it's like a Keurig, but for baby bottles. <laughs> it's a lifesaver. It's expensive. It is a luxury for sure. We were able to get one used from a friend. Um, but literally at 3 a.m., you put the bottle underneath, you push a button, and in two seconds, you have a perfect bottle and you can pop it in their mouth. It just saved a lot of time. It was really helpful. Also helpful if people are helping you with the kids. Like my mom didn't have to learn again how to like mix formula and where's the scoop and is this the right amount? She could just push the button and it gave her. Oh my gosh. It was right for the kids. So that was very helpful. I'm going to make sure I link all of that in the show notes for anybody who is listening and would like to get any of those things. The only other thing that we thought a lot about was the stroller because we're in Canada. It was, and it was going to be winter. I was really concerned Mm -hmm. about getting a stroller that was okay in the snow. I found a lot of them on the market had like little plasticky wheels that like, this is not going to work when I'm going to a doctor's appointment through a snowbank, like into in January, there's lots of strollers out there that will work for it. But we went with the mountain buggy duet, 
because it took two infant car seats at the same time, which a ton of strollers do not. Um, you can put like lay them into the stroller, but they won't. They're not the system where you can like pull the car seat out of the car and click it into the stroller and, and click it in. Yes, there's not a lot of strollers that do that, uh, but that one did. There are others on the market, but we really liked that one. Oh, that's fantastic. Those are fantastic mm-hmm. must-haves for mothers of multiples. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you, Amber, where are you now currently in your motherhood journey? So how old are the girls now? And what does your day-to-day look like now? And then afterwards, if you could have a think about going back and telling yourself something in those first few weeks of, of your motherhood journey, what would you maybe tell yourself? Yeah. So the girls now are, I think they're 20 months, almost 21 months old. So like a year and a half going on two. Um, and they're running around and talking and they're wonderful. They're growing like crazy. And it's insane how fast everyone says it goes so fast. But until you see it with your own eyes, it is insane how fast they grow and how fast those stages are so hard, but then they're gone very quickly. Um, so that's where we are right now. Our day to day, I'm working part time. Um, there's a childcare, huge childcare crisis, especially in Northern Ontario. There's not enough childcare. I'm sure that's relatable in other places as well. Um, so we could only find part-time childcare. So I wound up actually closing a small business I was running and I'm only working part-time for the, a marketing agency. I work in marketing. So that was a big change as well, but it's working really well. Um, so day-to-day is me getting up with the kids and either taking them to daycare if it's a daycare day or we hang out, we do snacks. We, we're lucky that we have kind of a rural property. So we're outside a lot. We go for walks in the woods and there's a couple little parks around. Um, they're still napping. I'm praying that those naps continue for a while. I've heard by two, sometimes <laughs> kids drop them, but I'm praying that we keep that yep. midday nap for a while. Um, and we're lucky they've always been on a pretty similar nap schedule. That can also, any twin mamas out there know that can be such a challenge. If they're napping at different times, you never get a break through the day. Yeah, We've been yeah. through a few phases like that, but they're really consistent right now with sleeping the same amount of time. And overnight, they're sleeping through the night unless they're sick, sick or whatever. So yeah, so things are things are good. We're in a really good rhythm. Took a long time to get to get to that, but and if you had a word of advice or you know a line of wisdom for yourself, just looking back, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, I d- I don't know if I have it in one line, but I really wish that I could have helped myself understand that it's not going to look like what you maybe thought. I mean, especially because it was twins, but just rolling with the punches and figuring out that like, these are brand new people who don't know who they are yet. And so you can't even know who they are yet or what they're going to need tomorrow or the day after. I'm a planner and an A-type. And that was, um, that was the biggest challenge for me for sure. And I would just try and help myself get there faster to let go and know that if you don't know what tomorrow looks like, that's okay. That's normal. And you'll be totally fine dealing with it tomorrow, whatever happens. Well, Amber, this has been such an interesting conversation for me, and I hope for for anybody that's listening in, um, no matter what place they're listening in from, because yeah, it's just like a different world. I have no idea. Now I have a better idea how you manage it, but you are definitely a true superhero. (laughs) So I just thank you so much for coming on and and sharing about it so that anyone who's going through it as well can know that they're not alone. So that's wonderful. Absolutely. And thank you for doing what you do. I'm so happy to, I know I'm not an authority on any of these topics, um, but it's so helpful for me just to hear from other moms who are telling it like it is like the real story of what happened, not the way it looked in the book, all perfect, but like when life gets really real, this is normal. That's all normal and part of motherhood. And I think you referenced at one point in one of your episodes, like pulling back the curtain 
pull back the curtain and talk about all of it so that moms feel not alone and, and a little bit more prepared. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you, Amber, for sharing your twin mom journey with us all. Next up, I want to share a few short clips sent into the podcast from other moms of multiples. As always, I appreciate so much the candidness, the honesty, and the vulnerability in sharing your stories. Okay, let's listen in to the first featured mama. My name is Dallas. I live in tiny township, Ontario, in Canada. I have almost five-year-old twin boys that are identical. My biggest surprise, uh, I would say, with being a mom of multiples was the importance of baby sleep. That really caught me off guard. Uh, My twins were premature. They were born five weeks and one day early. And my one twin had a congenital defect when he was born. So he had to have surgery at less than 48 hours old. So there was really a lot of pushback from the hospitals. They were in separate hospitals. So I was going back and forth a lot between them. They were across the street from each other in Toronto. So really my focus was not on sleep at the time my, for myself or my, or my babies, obviously, because they were just born. But when we got home, it was just a whirlwind. And it really took me till they were maybe about nine months that I really realized that baby sleep is so very important for everybody in the house. Uh, whether you're single, married, or um, have younger kids, we have a younger son now too. He's 18 months. So my twins were about two and a half when he was born. So yeah, I would say baby sleep. Uh, Moms of multiples who are going to be first-time parents should definitely, in my opinion, uh, investigate and do their research on how to do safe sleep, but also nap times, awake times, and all of that, because that will affect everything else going on. The biggest struggle I found with being a twin mom is dividing my time and attention between the twins. I didn't have younger children when they were really young. They were already pretty self-sufficient by the time my third child came around. So it was just really about dividing time for them separately. They are identical, so they very rarely spend time apart, which is also a struggle because we want them to have different identities. Must-haves, I would say I purchased the table for two feeding seats. They were about five or six months old. We uh, didn't breastfeed because of our scenario with the hospital so I pumped for a little while and then we just switched to bottle feeding because it was easier and we needed the help Um, I needed the help I should say with my husband going back to work it's available in the states and they will ship it to Canada I'm not sure how far across the world they ship it to but it was well worth the money I actually just sold mine about six months ago I used it for my singleton even though there was two seats he just didn't have a little guy or a little girl sitting beside him Steph says, with twins, I think I was expecting to have them be more alike than they are. Everything from what they like to eat, how they sleep, to meeting milestones has been wildly different. The biggest challenge has been just letting go of expectations. We were very regimented with our first two, and with these guys I'm finding, I just have to go with the flow more. I want to go out somewhere, just pack them up. The earlier you start towing them around everywhere, the easier it gets. Morgan wanted to share the following. I would say the biggest challenge was just learning how to deal with three children all needing my attention at the same time. I'm still learning this. Sleep was a challenge at times. My firstborn, we never really sleep trained. We just co-slept a lot. I realized with the twins, they would have to be more independent sleepers because I couldn't rock two babies to sleep every day, especially when I had my toddler to look after too. 
I agree with the letting go of expectations. I think just knowing I was going to have three under three for a while allowed me to let go of the kind of expectations I had for myself with my firstborn. My name is Shannon Rose. I am 27 years old and a mama of four boys. Not ever once in my life did I think that I would be pregnant with twins. So my biggest surprise was going to the ultrasound and hearing the ultrasound text say, okay, I'm going to show you your babies now. My heart fell to the bottom of my stomach. I took a while to click that I was pregnant with twins. And although I was extremely happy that we were chosen for this adventure, we were also really scared. I thought I was a professional with pregnancy after going through the process with our two older children, but it is surprising how different everything is with a twin pregnancy. No matter how healthy you are, you are automatically considered high risk. The type of twins that we had could have more complications, so I was seen often by my OB. I was also surprised at how many sonograms I received with the twins. It was really neat to see them grow along the way. The biggest challenge for me was not to be able to enjoy some of the crazy, precious, and happy moments because I was solely in pure survival mode. Now that they're a little bit bigger, I can sit back and enjoy those moments with them. There are definitely a few must-have products that saved our lives with twins, but the one product in particular isn't really a twin product. Now, I knew breastfeeding the twins was going to be really hard, and there was a high chance that I wasn't going to be able to do it, so we prepared ourselves for formula feeding. I was told about this baby Brezza and thought it sounded so silly. After doing some research and finding a great sale at Toys R Us for it, we got one. It has saved our lives for sure. And I 100% recommend it if you are planning on formula feeding your baby from birth to one-year-old. Think of it as a Keurig for babies. You just push the button and your bottle is ready for you. Having twins is such an incredible experience, and we are so lucky to be part of a small group of people to be a parent of multiples. Although times may get hard, there are also times of greatness. I read this anonymous quote once that said, There's two to wash, two to dry. There's two who argue, two who cry. There's two to kiss, two to hug. And best of all, there's two to love. Hi, I'm Alexa of Boy and Girl Six-Year-Olds, and we live in Malaysia. Being pregnant with multiples was an exciting surprise, and because I had zero idea of how to bring up one baby, let alone more than one at once, I came into motherhood quite naively. Obviously, facing the newborn and early stages of having a baby can be hard for anyone, but having two was my norm, and I had nothing to compare it to, apart from seeing and speaking with friends who also had babies, but no personal experience myself. So I made it up as we went along and muddled through. I had all sorts of struggles from them being out of sync napping and tag team napping for only 30 minutes at a time. Pure exhaustion from one not sleeping at night either until he was three years old. Not being able to tandem feed them. So having to try entertain one while feeding the other. The fact I was outnumbered and couldn't look in or run in two directions at once to name but a few but for all the struggles exhaustion and challenging times there have been some surprising things that have made being a mum of multiples the most wonderful experience the biggest surprise for me is how in some ways having more than one baby at once can actually be easier than having just one or having kids at different ages it's probably something that I can only appreciate more now they're older and I'm out of the crazy baby and toddler stages and if you'd asked me a few years ago I wouldn't have used the word easy at all (laughs) but looking back from the time they could first really notice each other and start interacting things became so fun they always had a buddy with them and could entertain each other from an early age 
although this also meant they had a partner in crime to get up to mischief with. They love to make each other laugh, and at six years old now, they still do. And once you get over the struggles of trying to get out the house and get anything done with multiple babies, you learn to appreciate they're always on the same or similar schedule. Meals and snacks are the same for both. Any activity we do would be suitable for their age, as they're the same. Obviously, as they have gotten older, their interests are getting different. But in the main, we can still do most things together as they enjoy each other's company. And it's more fun to be together and share their experiences. First days at kindy and school and other activity classes haven't been as hard for them or me as they have their best friend with them to go in with and look out for them. I know I'm lucky that my kids do get on so well most of the time, but I think it helped that they were always together, that their bond is so strong. It's also quite interesting that through spending all their waking time together, they can be so similar yet so different. It's been a good nature-nurture experiment. This podcast wouldn't be possible without moms like today's guests sharing all the parts of their stories with us, the highlights, the struggles, and the downright survival moments. If you're currently expecting multiples or you're right in the thick of it and don't know where to find helpful resources or communities that can relate to your questions, your worries, or your experiences, the moms from today's episode were kind enough to pass on a few places to start. To make everything easier to find, I've linked a number of organizations, websites, and online documents in the show notes, and I strongly encourage you to check them out or share them with anyone you know who might benefit. Before I wrap up today's episode, I wanted to share one of the latest reviews of the show. Cassandra writes, This is the podcast I didn't know I was missing in my motherhood journey. I've been enjoying listening to the episodes on the various topics and have definitely found myself raising my hand throughout the episodes. The variety of topics related to motherhood that are covered have given me a sense of being seen and heard. It's so refreshing to hear from people whose lives and lived experiences are different than mine, and yet there's so much common ground around similar feelings and sentiments. Definitely a must-listen podcast for expecting, new, or seasoned parents alike. Thank you so much, Cassandra, for leaving this review. I felt this one really strongly emphasized the point I made earlier about hearing your story in another mom's story. Even if your situations or your geographical locations seem worlds apart, the feelings and experiences and questions we all ask ourselves as moms often share a number of similarities. The Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast is growing and reaching new listeners with each episode, but if you'd like to help me out with this, please take a second now to rate and review the show, preferably on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon, where the majority of people listen to or find new podcasts. You'd be surprised to hear how important that little five-star rating can be when it comes to new people finding and trying out the show. Help me get the message out to more mothers. When you're done listening to this episode, just pull up the podcast again on your phone, scroll down to ratings and reviews, and tell me how I'm doing. It might just be the teacher in me, but I know how much I value personal feedback, and I can promise you that I take your words to heart, and I try to create content for you that keeps inviting me back into your earbuds each week. All right, that's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in again, mamas. Until next time. Hey, mama. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. I made it for you, so I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so we can hang out together again soon.